I remember vividly the lady who responded to something I was saying in a speech. She walked up to me afterwards and said, you mentioned that pornography will be difficult and harmful for a marriage, but I'm going to tell you, had it not been for porn, our marriage wouldn't be where it is today because I had sexual inhibitions. I didn't know a lot about sex. And so we watched some pornography and it made our sex life better. So is she right? Is that what you need to be doing, watching pornography to make your sex life better? Or would it be that what I said on that speech is something you should consider even if somebody found a small, short-term anomaly? Is porn bad for your marriage or good? Hi, I'm Dr. Joe Beam. I earned my Ph.D. at the University of Sydney in Australia, and I did my studies for my Ph.D. studying the causes of and correlations between marital satisfaction and sexual satisfaction. Therefore, I had to do a lot of research about sex, particularly sexual satisfaction and what that meant. And as a result of that, obviously had to read a great deal about pornography and how it affects marriages. This is Kimberly Holmes, who is our CEO at Marriage Helper. Kimberly has finished her master's degree in psychology Mm -hmm. and is currently completing her PhD in that. That's right. So Kimberly, And when I was an undergraduate, wrote a paper for your human sexuality class about how pornography affects marriage or relationship. Kimberly actually was one of my students when I was teaching at a local university part-time, adjunct faculty, they call it. I was teaching human sexuality. I did it for eight years. And the very first time I ever took it, Kimberly was actually in the class. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And one day we were talking about a specific part of the female anatomy, which is what you do when you teach human sexuality. And one of the other young ladies in the class turned and looked at Kimberly and said, does this like freak you out? The fact that her dad was teaching about that. And you replied. At our home, this is dinner conversation. (laughs) Because it was. We've always been very open when we talk about (laughs) things like that. I figure that uh, if you'll allow me to take a religious reference here, I believe the devil's forces work in the darkness. God's forces work in the light. So we would talk about things openly. Mm -hmm. Now, pornography has become a big deal. Yeah. Actually, it has been very beneficial to culture in one way. Some of the money, not some, a great deal of the money spent that has actually advanced technological learning. Uh, like, how can we do this on the internet? How can we do that on the internet? Has actually been paid for by money from pornography. Who wanted to find out how do we get mm. more customers? How can we do this? How can we do that? How can we do that? And in that sense, wow. the money they've invested into research has actually, in a way, benefited society. But the last time I looked, and this would have been good grief, I'm guessing seven or eight years before we make this recording, there were over 400 million pages of pornography on the internet. And that was seven or eight years before now. I mean, I I feel like I heard in the past year that it is still the number one industry in terms of how much money it brings in annually. Oh, I have no doubt. Much more than professional sports, much more than movies, et cetera, et cetera. There's actually a site where you can go and look at the statistics. You have to be careful how you get to it because it's actually part of a porn site. Mm. But this particular section of it is not pornographic. Mm. And and every year they publish, their, they actually hire PhDs to research all this stuff because it's such a big, big business. And so every year they have this page where they give all this information about pornography, nothing pornographic there. But unfortunately, to type in the name of it, you have to type in part of a porn site to get to it, and it'll tell you all that stuff. And so what about that lady, Kimberly? What do you think? Since you wrote a paper about it, she said, you know, I was sexually inhibited. I didn't know anything about sex. And so we watched the porn, and it made our marriage better. 
How would you have responded to her as a master's level psychologist? Well, I, I think I would have asked a question back, which was, you yeah, I don't, I don't know how I would have worded it to her right now off the top of my head. But what I'm thinking to myself is, was there another way she could have gotten to the same end result? And just because that happened to be the path that she took, she ended up saying that she's not sexually inhibited, inhibited anymore. <laughs> Hard word to say. Hard word to say. <laughs> um, but then I would also wonder how long have you felt like you haven't been sexually inhibited now mm-hmm. and how fulfilling is your sex life? Do you have to have porn to continue to be fulfilled? Like I would want to know more about you're saying it quote unquote freed you, mm-hmm. but has it really made you a slave to something different? That's an excellent question. And that would have been, of course, I only had like 20 seconds to talk to her after her speech, but I think those are very, very good things to look at because if you start looking at the long-term effects, it's kind of interesting when you read the research about pornography. That that women who are in relationships that they don't consider to be long term mm-hmm. tend not to care if the men in the relationships look at pornography. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if that relationship turns into a long term relationship, yeah. they start resenting very strongly yeah. the fact that the guy's looking at pornography. Now, I don't think that just men do. Forty percent of the uh, audience for internet pornography is female, and and they figured out something for years ago to make that happen. Women have been reading a version of porn for a long time. And these little romance novels, mm-hmm. once you see, they have the guy on the cover of the drawing and mm-hmm. his, you know, uh, open uh, so you can see his masculine chest and the long hair. And those books have a lot of sex in them. Mm. And so somebody finally realized that women really were open to porn if it was in a story. Mm. And so the way they learned how to get female people Female people, there's a whole class of those. The way they got females to start looking at porn was they started turning it into actual stories mm-hmm. rather than just uh, here's sex, here's right. sex, here's Like the sex. whole Fifty Shades of Grey thing. That kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, that kind of thing, exactly. And so you look at that and go, okay, so some women are into it. Mm-hmm. But in a relationship, when it starts to be, well, I could talk about all kinds of things, but one is this. The women started resenting it when the relationship with the guy became longer term. You say, why? Because every single day she's getting older, which means her body is changing every single day. But the woman in that picture or that video or that film, she'll never be a day older in that film forever. She's going to be that age. And so they found that after a while, women started comparing their bodies mm-hmm. to those other women. And women already tend to compare themselves to other women and come out second best. That tends to be what women do. And so they start losing their own self-esteem, their own body image. Like, I'm not very good at this, or I'm not as skilled, or et cetera. In other words, they begin to depreciate themselves as a sexual partner because they begin to think, I can't match up with what's on that screen Mm -hmm. there. Okay. And what they have found with men who watch it is that it actually becomes the stimulus that after a while they require. Mm -hmm. Uh, In other words, if if a, if a wife's getting old every older every day, which she is, and let's say now she's sixty, and and the woman on the porn is twenty two, okay. And if you look at the sixty year old set of breasts and the twenty two year old set of breasts from a physical standpoint, the twenty two year old breast would be more appealing physically speaking. 
And so what they found was that with men is I, I wound up being unable to be eroticized by my wife, not just because of the fact that she's getting older every day. He doesn't have to wait till she's 60, but because of the fact that he's stimulating himself to see so many different somatotypes, so many different bodies mm. that after a while, boredom exists with the wife because of the fact she's not a different woman every day. And also women begin to have some boredom and some dissatisfaction with their husbands because he, physically speaking, didn't match up to the guy she was watching on the video. And then another thing you say, well, what, what if the guy just watches it on his own or the gal just watches it at her home? They, there's a known phenomenon that if men watch pornography and masturbate, that they wind up having a shorter and shorter length of time between the beginning of simulation and the orgasm, which means they're actually training themselves that when they finally do have sex with their wives, not last very long at all. They've actually trained their body to end very quickly. And so comparison with other people, uh, your own self-image, the physical things that you begin to lose, et cetera, et cetera. And here's the biggie. Have I ever talked to you about Peggy Klein? Pets. Mm-hmm. You remember who she is by any chance? She's a researcher, right? Mm-hmm. Canadian researcher. Mm-hmm. And she and Dr. Kleinplatz and her colleagues, two different sets of colleagues, did two different studies about the difference in great sex and good sex. Mm-hmm. Was I teaching that in human sexuality when you took it, or did I start teaching that later? I don't know. I remember Masters and Johnson. You know, of course, they started back in the 50s. Right. So they've been around a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically... Klein classes, when they research the difference in great sex and good sex, if you read their research, and they do it from a secular standpoint, as far as I know, she has no religious uh, background at all, as far as I know. And, and when you read her research, it basically comes down to that great sex only occurs with one partner mm. developing a very deep relationship over time, mm. which is exactly contraindicated mm-hmm. by using pornography. Mm-hmm. So the short answer is this. Can pornography make sex more exciting in the short term? If you're visually stimulated, yes, either male or female, it can. What about longer? You begin to lose the ability to be eroticized by the person that you love and the person you want to have great sex with until you die. And the other thing is it won't be great sex. It's going to become all about the physical. And really great sex is a lot more about not just the physical, although it's a big part of it, but about the emotional connection between the two. And so if you really want to have great loving, then if you're using porn, stop it. If you haven't used it, don't start. Now, I've done all the talking, Kimberly. I'm sorry. What do you have to say about this? Well, I have questions. But as you were talking, I was reminded of more recent research that has come forth in the past two or three years about how the younger generation of people are becoming more I don't think asexual is the right word, but they're not having sex with other people because of porn and because once they get so accustomed to being alone, I mean, tip in, in before the internet, the only way to get to orgasm is through, well, it's not the only, but the typical way of getting to orgasm is through having a relationship with another person going through that physical experience. And then mm-hmm. you get there. And when you shortcut that whole thing, then the fear of actually doing that with someone else Mm -hmm. becomes so great that people just aren't. And so there's a lot of concern about what's going to happen to the population around Mm -hmm. the world because 
people, younger people, like, you know, 24 and younger right now, are having less sex than historically they used to and don't really want to have sex because they're able to satisfy themselves through just porn and masturbation, which is, that's just completely crazy. So putting that over here. So then my question is going to be from what you just said. So if someone is ingrained in that being their habit, and you said it, it's such a an insane stimulus and all of the different things you watch and having to go deeper and deeper and more and more. Well, if someone is deep in that, it's like telling a, a, an addict, uh, or, you know, an, uh, smoker just stop cold Turkey. It's not that easy. Mm. So how do they undo this mess that they've made? Okay. It's, uh, it has to do with relationships, believe it or not. Brian Alexander, uh, who was the sexploration columnist for MSNBC, a few years ago wrote a book called America Unzipped. It has nine chapters. Uh, interestingly, one of the chapters was about me, a Christian sexologist. And in the last chapter, he quotes asking me a question. And he was saying, if, are people looking, he said, are people who go to sex clubs looking for the same thing as people who go to church? Mm. And I replied, yes, they are. And, and, of course, that blew a lot of people's minds. What they're looking for is a way to have relationships that are meaningful. Mm-hmm. I said, because if we weren't looking for the relationships, we would all just masturbate because it's more efficient. Mm. So it's the relationships we're actually looking for. Therefore, just saying, I'm going to stop that. It's going to be awfully difficult to do unless you can develop a relationship with a person, hopefully in marriage, because that's what we believe. And, and in this marriage with this other person, you learn how to be sexual with each other, where sex is not just about physical appearance. It's not just about physical touch. It's about sharing the mind. It's about sharing the heart. It's about sharing the beliefs and the values. It's about where you truly become one with the other person. And if you can develop and meld that together, then you can overcome any kind of sexual compulsivity, which the counselors typically call sexual addiction. You can overcome sexual compulsivity, but the way out is through a good, strong relationship with somebody who understands, who loves you, and can help you develop a good, fulfilling sex life together. I think that's why, Kimberly, in 1 Corinthians 7, if I could be religious for a minute, when he was telling single Christians to stop having sex outside of marriage, he said, okay, but when you get married, then you need to be fulfilling each other sexually. Mm -hmm. Because you can imagine, okay, I want to stop that lifestyle. I want to be fulfilled in marriage. And then you marry a person who says, I don't want to have sex. It's going to mess up the whole process. So it would be a person that you can blend and meld with physically and intellectually and emotionally and spiritually. Now, can I provide that person like that for you? No. But we can certainly teach you. We can certainly teach you how you can become a person that attracts a spouse like that if you're single. But we also can teach you how in your marriage, no matter where it is now, you can change it to that. We have actually a product we can that you can use. It's, it's videos you watch together that can help your sex life. But we'd start off by helping you understand how to change your relationship to where you really are becoming one. And the best way we can do that is through our workshop. Right. So it's important to fix the relationship first because a good sex life is built off of a good 
and strong relationship. And we can help you do that in our three-day workshop, our three-day marriage workshop. You can find out more by going to marriagehelper.com slash workshop. The link will be in the show notes in the podcast and on YouTube for you to have easy access to that website and get more information and decide if you want to speak with a client representative to find out more about the workshop and how you can get registered for it and and get started in that process for your marriage. And that's the best place we can help start. Right. And if you've already been to our workshop or your marriage is doing pretty well relational, relationally, I guess I should say, contact one of our team members at Marriage Helper to ask about how you can get to the videos that will teach you how to have a better, more fulfilling sex life. But the first thing to do, work on the relationship. That's where you start. Thank you for watching or listening to Relationship Radio, and we'll see you on our next episode.